0: You are listening to Mountain Bike Radio. All right. Well, welcome back Bike Packer fans. This is another episode of Bike Packer Radio on the Mountain Bike Radio podcast system. Um, I am your host, Neil Belchenko and uh, we're going to start something different. Um, I haven't done a show in quite some time now probably two months, um, since, um, Ben interviewed me on my CTR bout or about my CTR bout. Um, but I have a, I'm going to bring along a co-host now and we're going to try to do a monthly episode, um, through, at least through the winter, uh, through the next few months and test it out and see how you guys like it. Um, so I want to introduce Michael Ackerman, Um uh, Michael, um, Michael's from Durango, Colorado, um, he is a kind of new into the bikepacking scene, but he's definitely taken it on full bore and he loves it. Um, so Michael, uh, thank you for, uh, for joining us.
1: Yeah. Thank you for a fantastic introduction there.
0: <laughs> I guess I don't know exactly how long you've been into the bikepacking scene. Um, I guess what was your first bikepacking trip? Sure. it's a great question. Uh, my first
1: bikepacking trip was... Almost three years ago now.
0: Okay. So yeah, uh, you're not new to it at all.
1: No, but, um, you know, I'm, I have a history with the bike. Uh, and for me, uh, suffered a, a small addiction during the collegiate years to climbing and mountaineering and yep. all things backcountry snowboarding. And so kind of stepped away from the bike. And as kind of the warranties ran out on ankles and knees kind of came back to the bike to continue to kind of travel in the mountains and kind of employ a skill set that, you know, that I, I wanted, wanted to use, but maybe wasn't, uh, was feeling a little old. Right. They warned me it was coming. So, yeah. so bikepacking really became a way for me to stay kind of moving fast and light in the back country. And, um, you know, since that time, it's just kind of taken over my life, let's say.
0: You're right. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it, it does. It's, it's so addictive. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's a good segue. So in terms of, um, your life history, where, where did you grow up? What brought you to Durango?
1: Sure. I was born in Boston in the seventies. I grew up on the North shore of Massachusetts, uh, until I drifted West in the mid nineties, um, for college. That's really what brought me out West and, uh, approaching 40 years old here. I've Kind of now spent half my days back east and half, uh, out west. So probably need a couple more decades before anybody considers me local in Durango. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, I came to Durango for, uh, a professional opportunity. Um, and then,
0: uh, you know, have been pretty immersed
1: with that. And then as that project was kind of coming, uh, to fruition and ended this past spring of, 2014, I was able to really turn my attention to some races and some trips that I really wanted to do, and, cool. and uh, it's been a really great year,
0: yeah. And so you did Arizona Trail Race this year, and the Colorado Trail Race, and then a number of other um, uh, just bikepacking trips on your own, right?
1: Bikepacking trips on my own and then participated in a couple of the Colorado Endurance Series races, Um okay. that we have around the state. I know you've done a couple of those, just, uh, you know, one day ultras and yep. things that hurt you. This really was a, <laughs> a uh, you know, yep. this was a season for me to really try to, I wanted to turn it up and see what I could, I could really do. I, I mentioned I was coming to the end of a project professionally and I'm, you no. Know, I think you know me well enough. I'm somewhat of a driven person. And so
0: as my,
1: as the bar for me professionally was kind of, uh, coming to an end there, no one was setting kind of new goals for the, for the following year because the, um, the work was done. I just started to think, you know, what could I add into my life to really go for something? And so yeah, I started with the AZT, uh, in April, uh, the 300. And then did a number of endurance series races and personal trips and, uh, made a run on the CTR this year. So yeah, it's been 2014. I feel pretty blessed.
0: Cool. Yeah. It's, uh, even doing, you know, just one of those races is an accomplishment in itself. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think you've had a big year for sure. It um, feels like it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess I wanted to, I didn't want to we'll we'll get to know you once uh you know sure. we start talking more but in terms of um future goals that you have um i guess what what would those be uh in the next coming years or at least next year
1: sure you know it's uh it's difficult cuz i i found that um there's a lot of a lot of grace in withholding your objectives from the world um and whether that's because you have the mindset that you you know you don't want to boast and you don't want to brag before you've got it done or right. or uh <laughs> or jinx
0: it. Or jinx it right I, That's that was the other that's, mindset. That's me. Uh, uh, I so I, that. I
1: don't want to unpack it too much, but I I definitely will say I have uh we talk about the Colorado Trail race being a race of attrition. Mm-hmm. Uh so that is definitely in the cards. Um just this weekend, uh my buddy uh, Tom Wolf, who's a Arizona Trail Race Colorado Trail veteran, started bending my ear about going back to, you know, the AZT.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I, I think for me, I really enjoy, um, you know, professionally I do a lot of work and, and a big part of my world is, you know, this executive function stuff and, and, and technical writing and meeting and PR. I find a lot of, of joy and I find a, a huge outlet personally and kind of just checking out and taking long trips and kind of having those experiences and trying to formulate a story around that. So I I think next year is just going to be some, uh, tackling some objectives and maybe going after some, uh, travel objectives that for me are going to produce maybe a good story or two and allowing me to meet some new people. And that's what it's all about for me. It's, uh, racing is good and it's, It's good for me to kind of stay motivated in the gym all week, all winter and, uh, and have those goals. But man, I think you realize it's, it's about being out on your bike and and just being ready for whatever, you know, your, what comes in front of you.
0: Yep. So. Well, that's good to hear.
1: Yeah, we'll see. It'll you know, and and being of the ADD persuasion, that's the thought at the moment. And <laughs> yep. uh all I can it tell you changes. is <laughs> it'll change. So one constant is it'll change and it'll probably involve
0: riding bikes. So cool. Well, perfect. Yeah, man. Um all right, well let's move along. Um and uh let's chat about I guess it's, it, so we hadn't talked in a while or we haven't had a show in a while. Um an inner bike and outer bike happened, um, in September and October. And there was a lot of really interesting stuff to see. Um,
1: Absolutely. And you know, Neil, I was super bummed. I know we had talked about getting to those events together. I know you were able to head to Vegas yep, um, and catch inner bike and, and outer bike and the just wasn't in the cards for this guy, but I looked over and have been looking over the the work you've done and kind of the recap of, what you were able to test, what you were able to ride. Um, you got on a lot of bikes, my friend. It seems yeah. like you were able to check out a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, our whole goal was to at least um, – for Bike Packers Magazine to just create this, like, great resource for people that are into this whole adventure off-road cycling. Um, and so we want to showcase the, the manufacturers that are actually interested – in these specific, um, this like kind of off off market of um, mountain biking, and sure. there are so many different brands out there that are realizing that this is blowing up, uh, and this is becoming a a, a big um, subset of the mountain bike industry that they they at least this year more so than past years that they've definitely let it be known.
1: So um, when you say that, when you say that, Neil, do you mean these are? bike manufacturers that are just realizing their bikes are getting used for these adventures or they're actually seeing
0: bike packing as a,
1: a niche to actually,
0: you know, develop product for market to a little bit of both actually. I mean, they talking to um, a few people or a few manufacturers like Rocky mountain, um, uh, d- 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 like WTB, uh, wilderness trail bikes, um, yep. you know, Maxis tires, all of these companies have realized that their products are being used for their specific, these specific adventures. And so they're trying to build their products tough, you know, they're, they're, they're building their products that are a little bit stronger. Sure. Um, sure. But, you know, they're marketing towards it as well. Um, which yeah, because that's uncaptured revenue, thing. right? exactly. Oh, I mean, exactly, the sport yeah.
1: is, it is growing exponentially and they, you know, it, it's in their best interest to it, it doesn't probably hurt get out them. and capture that. Yeah. Right. It doesn't hurt them. That's for sure.
0: So that's, that was our, that was the most interesting thing um, that we kind of realized um, when we, when we were at inner bike um, at the outdoor demo, we got on a bunch of different bikes, um, a bunch of different fat bikes, a bunch of different cross country bikes, some gravel bikes, even, um, and well, next month we're going to be talking more about fat bikes, but to just kind of go over um, a few things, interbike related, um, most of the fat bike um, manufacturers were actually uh, showing off their bikes as 29 plus capabilities, uh, showing off their 29 plus capabilities, which is really interesting. Um, so that was that was the other side of the whole adventure cycling. Um, showcase at Interbike, it was all this 29 plus stuff, um,
1: and that's what you're you know you're seeing that out there. Just yeah, to, to piggyback on that, man, the number of folks I saw, you know, rocking 29 plus this year, um, the the craziness of those fat bike riders on things like the AZT, like Brian on the AZT, yeah. or, or riding a fat bike on the CT. Um, it, I, I've seen a lot of people put those 29 plus in the play and they've got remarkable feedback about it so right. so
0: it's, it, i i don't know like i i've only been on a few and um i i'm still what do you kind think? of, I'm kind it, of indifferent it? about it i don't exactly i mean i they roll over terrain a lot better um they are perfect for like you know non technical roads and sure. they're still perfect for technical stuff, but they have less, um, surface area on the ground. So they roll a lot better. Um, but they also, uh, you can, you can run them with lower tire pressure. The rims are wider. Um, so you reduce, you know, burping and stuff like that. Um, when you're running tubeless, I don't know. It's what it, it's, a, it's an interesting thought. Um, and, and with having, um, a company like Niner come out with them, Um, Uh which is really interesting to me because they are so, um, built around their specific 29er, um, geometry, which this is technically the same thing, but a little bit larger. Um, I don't know. It's just all these other companies. I I think we're going to see what fat bikes were two, three years ago, um, turn into what 29ers can be down the line, but I don't know exactly, you know? It's tough to
1: read those tea leaves there. It's, oh, exactly. It, I, I really want to get out on one and, and see because it's, I understand the applications, but as with everything, I think the devil is in the details. And when I look at those larger bikes, I start thinking about the hike a bike personally right. and, and the trade off you make, um, and kind of going larger, uh, how do you pay for that, you know, down the trail
0: in yeah. the long run? So. Yeah, and that's, that's another interesting point. You know, th- think about the tour divide and if something goes wrong to your 29 or uh, there's not a, a lot of available parts yet. Correct. Um, and so I don't know if I would was- your 29 plus. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'd be willing to run my 29 plus on a, a race like that and have something go wrong with say my tire and then having to get another tire might be, we'll be looking at a long by. walk. Yeah. long walk from Atlantic City. Jeez. Yeah, but it was interesting um when we did our uh, Q&A with Shell Money um he he kept saying how he only would ever ride um, a 29 plus now on the divide route because of the comfort. So, you know, you, you have that aspect of it. And obviously. he
1: would know, I mean, he's logged those miles, but it, yep. you know, Shell also, from what I understand, has a, a fairly competent mechanical.
0: Yeah, he's acumen. pretty. Yeah, so, definitely. So he could probably, you know, triage
1: yeah. whatever came up out in the field with a, some bailing wire and duct tape. Yep. Um, you know, us mere mortals that are <laughs> right. not so inclined. Yeah. It could be tough. Right. Well. But we'll, we'll see. see. I'm excited to see what comes with it because it is growing.
0: Yeah. I'd like to see a carbon one. Oh <laughs> man. I know,
1: I know we're talking about fat bikes next month, but I think you and I both I think our worlds were changed on that carbon bear grease, huh?
0: During that oh, time. Oh my off. goodness. Yeah, we'll we'll oh. talk about that next next month. But <sighs> yeah, that, that's a that's a nice bike. The
1: Death Star right there, man. Jeez.
0: Yeah, it was quick. <laughs> um, all right, let's rewind. So Um, a few interesting companies that we wanted to mention out there at Interbike that we saw, one of them being Blackburn Design. Um, I know that many of you guys know Blackburn has been in the adventure cycling realm for quite some time, but recently they came out with their Outpost series. Um, and that includes a saddlebag, which is a, it's kind of like a detachable, um, uh, uh, what is it called? Um,
1: like a seat post bag.
0: Yeah, no, it's a detachable. Yeah. It like detaches from, um, the actual frame of the seat post bag. Um, kind of like the relevate bags now and the, um, the porcelain rocket bags or oh, the dry bag. So the dry bag comes out of the specific, um, frame of the saddle bag. Um, So the saddlebag
1: is like one of those traditional harnesses. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yep. It's kind of like, it's similar to like the um, detachable handlebar bag harness system. Um, So they came out with that. They came out with a top tube tank bag that looks very similar to the Relevate design. Um, And they also came out with um, a handlebar bag system um, uh, we haven't gotten our hands on any of them yet, but we saw them at interbike and they, they seem to, I mean, they seem to be decent bags. I, you know, like I said, I haven't tested them. The handlebar bag specifically has this Velcro attach, um, harness system. So you can take off the dry bag portion, um, from the actual harness that's like connected to your handlebar mm-hmm. handlebars. And it's velcroed on, so you don't have to like hold it on and tie it together, which is kind of unique. I haven't seen anything like that before. Sure. Um,
1: or do the 6 a.m. my hands are frozen. Right. How do I get this all to come together? Yeah, exactly. that's great. So
0: it sticks on and then you can wrap it up um, and cinch it down without actually having to hold the bag up against the the bars. Okay. Which I, I even last night I'm getting ready for my this cocapelli trip. Um and I was having an issue with that with my Relevate bag, and I was like, "Oh man, I'd really like to test out this Blackburn thing right now."
1: <laughs> but, yeah, it'll make it easier. You right. know, it's it's. Can you now trick out your whole bike with just what Blackburn has available? Do they outfit a full kit?
0: They do, other than um, a frame bag. But I think they actually make, um, like that front triangle frame bag. Um, similar to like Deuter, um, and like Jand. Jand, yes. Yeah. But other than that, they don't, you know, they don't have a, a frame bag or anything like that. But that, so, you know, I mean.
1: I and know. what did they have the bags at, at Interbike? What were the
0: bags set up on? Were it hardtails, full suspension? It was set up on a, uh, what was it? A fatback Corvus. If wow. I remember correctly. That bike is, Another sexy little fat bike. Oh bike. man, I had bothered with that one. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and it looked really good. Um, and it actually went, it came with a rack. Uh, I don't think they had the, the actual saddlebag on it, but, um, if you actually go to Bike Magazine's website, um, and search, uh, 10 inner bike, 10 notable brands at inner bike, you'll actually see that photo. Um but yeah, so that's an interesting company. Um wondering if they're making all their stuff overseas. Involved. Yeah, where
1: is Blackbird? Yeah, are they
0: I don't know where Blackbird is. Actually, we'll have to... Um I think California maybe. Let me search. But possibly
1: the labor and and such is farmed out maybe overseas. Oh yeah. It's
0: it, it it's definitely like something to consider, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um But yeah, and then Blackburn also had, um, a bunch of cool new lights, um, USB chargeable lights that would work with dynamos, um, and kind of stuff, stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's definitely a cool company to, to, uh, check out if, if you're interested in the whole adventure cycling, um, realm, they make, um, racks and panniers and all that as well. Um, so yeah, I don't know exactly where they're based. Yeah,
1: I'm alright we got them right now. They're, uh. Blackburn com if you want to check them out. Um, and it looks like they are all over the US, Canada, Europe, and okay. Asia. Oh wow. Um, yeah. with headquarters in the US. So
0: Okay. Well, it should be interesting. I know that all their stuff just became available. So if you guys are interested in um some Blackburn bike packing gear, go check it out. Go check out their website. Um, all right. What else do we have here on tap? Um, yeah, so if go back to the 29 plus um thing. I know that we a, f- a few uh um booths that we passed by and a and a few um companies that we saw out at the outdoor demo such as Borealis 907 Fatback. All of them had um their fat bikes running 29 plus options, which is interesting. Okay. Um, and they were all, all of them were of the carbon variety and they were so stiff. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, uh, but this, this new brand that is not a new brand at all. Uh, they've been around for 20 plus years now. Um, Chumba cycles they they were based out of California, um, as of, I think five years ago and they were downhill oriented. I'm sure many of you guys know, um, or have heard of them but they got completely bought out they got they um, started this whole new rebrand um around adventure cycling um and specifically they um want to be known as a company that is 100% USA built which is awesome mm-hmm. um a lot of companies are going that way a lot of companies are going the opposite direction of that as well um but what i guess in terms of um talking about USA, um, made products. What do you think about that? Um, uh, Michael, we, well, you, you
1: know, I think it's, it, it's tough. This is not a inexpensive sport that we all participate in. Right. Um, you know, I think we're all fond of saying, you know, for a free bike race, these things really cost some money. Exactly. However, um, being kind of a grassroots, I, I think that comes with grassroots manufacturer. As uh, you know, like I know in Durango here, um you know, it would be tough for me to go and buy bags from uh an overseas manufacturer and then run into uh Andrew from Bedrock Bags in the coffee shop and explain why <laughs> for uh you know a savings of about five dollars and twenty-five cents, I, I went overseas Probably with a product that's not as assembled as consciously, let's say, as as kind of a, a local American-made uh, bag would be. So I, I definitely err on the side of wanting to keep it local. Yep. Um, I, I, I see it as kind of self-sustaining. You know, if we want this sport and this culture and kind of this tribe that we all enjoy um, to flourish. Um, I, I'd, I'd be very reluctant to dilute that with kind of the fast food of easy product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, and, and you know, Matt and Nick will get you a five cent cup of coffee, but it's, it's, to me, it's kind of the, the same philosophy that people take with their local bike shop, right? you know, and I'm sure we're all guilty of going online and, you know, picking up the brake pads from China cause they're right. a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is true when when you're in a pickle and you need to run in somewhere, you're going to the local bike shop. Yep. Um. And I think you get what you pay for. And in terms of these, uh, in terms of bike packing gear, um, you know, it's nice to have a company, have manufacturers that stand behind their stuff that are out there testing it. That you, you know, the sport is small enough now that you're interacting with these people. I I don't know how you would see these folks at Interbike or Outerbike, Neil, or at an industry event, and then go ahead and roll you know, with an all Taiwanese kit there. I think that would, yeah, probably wouldn't sit right with you, my friend.
0: No, no, I, I think you're right. And you're, you're spot on with the, uh, the whole local bike shop theory. Um, and like you said, you get what you pay for. Um, but knowing that you actually are getting something from the United States, whether it be a bike or bags. Um, and I, I think it's unique. We're in a unique position with the the whole bike packing industry is, the majority of all of these bike bag makers are small business guys that are doing it out of their garages that are just kicking butt and doing an awesome job. And then there's a handful of them that are obviously going overseas. Um, so yeah, you just got to pick, pick and choose, but um, to-
1: and I and I think that same tension, you know, whether it be where your bike is made or where your bike ba- bike bag comes from, it, it's pervasive with what's going on with the sport right now. Where right. where you're going from kind of the small group of fairly eclectic individuals that would, you know, big borrow and steal fabric to put together <laughs> devices for adventure, right. and, and, and you know, to something that very quickly we're going to start seeing here in REI. We're yeah. gonna start seeing um in, in the larger um you know retailers and, and and bike packing is going to become what um you know we've seen snowboarding and rock climbing and it, it's blowing up um and I think then it's gonna come down to the individual you know with their with their purchasing habits and 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 with their own Internal ethics to make that decision of okay, as I move forward in this sport now with options like we 've never seen before, resources like we've never had, well you know what kind of ethics do I take into that? How do I make that choice um, and it's bigger than just the bags it's um, you know I see that tension coloring how we talk about rules and bike packing races and how we talk about um, you know who what bike company is really. For real, a legit bike company, you know, and and so yeah, and I try. I think at the end of the day, it's important. At least I try to to be empathetic to what people are doing, and and I don't know what drove people to make the choices they're making. I know I can only control the the choices I make, so. Yep. That sounded a little soapboxy. Yeah, sure. that was good. That was crazy. No, that, was, that was pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Thus Michael adds his piece to Bike Packers Radio there. Uh, yeah, here's something I want to hear you talk about because I wasn't able to get to these with you, Neil. I've heard you bring up carbon multiple times, and I promise not to talk about the bear grease. But would that change your approach or, or does carbon or titanium – do you think about these – materials when you're thinking about 29
0: plus so yeah i don't i don't know of anybody i I, personally i don't know of any company that's making carbon bikes in the united states um do you no yeah they don't and so i i'm i'm actually i'm I'm interested to see a carbon 29 or plus but i'm not really interested in uh I guess I'm interested in riding it. I wouldn't really necessarily be interested in purchasing something like that. <laughs> I, I, I'd, be, I'd be more inclined to purchase a titanium carbon bike or a t- titanium carbon bike, a titanium 29er um, plus bike and hope that it's built in the United States. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like eating a hot dog. Don't tell me what's inside of it. It just tastes and so good. And I think that's
0: even difficult right now. I don't think many manufacturers have leads on... Um, titanium tubes uh, that are uh, manufactured in the United States Um,
1: Do you think put that aside, do the counterfactual here, if we could get carbon or tie bikes American made, 29er plus, does that take the edge off of the size, the weight, some of the you know, would 29 plus actually translate to the bikepacking world
0: Oh yeah Absolutely. And I, it does already, but I, I think it would do, it would definitely be more so um, because you can rely on carbon now. It's so it's, it's, it's reliable, it's strong, it's tough. Um And it's light and it's stiff. Some don't like stiff, some do tour divide. Um, I don't know if I'd rock a carbon bike because it is sure. too stiff. Um, I'd want to go with something titanium, but yeah, I mean, I think it translates and, I don't know. I we'll see how the market kind of plays plays out. Uh it definitely should be I'm sure somebody's gonna think of something um down the line. Maybe even Salsa has that in the plans. I have no idea. Um but I don't know. It, I'm sure it'll happen. Um Yeah, it'll you know. be interesting to see where the where the industry takes it. Yeah, and, and rewinding back to Chumba USA, they um have um I know they are coming out with a a new fat bike. I'm not sure if it's titanium or not the, um, so they, the Ursa 29 plus is their mid fat, um, uh, 20, their mid fat bike, their 29 or plus bike. And that's made out of steel right now. And then they're coming out with the, um, Ursa major, which is their fat bike. I don't know details behind that yet other than it's going to be a fat bike, um, but I think they are going to be coming out with some sort of a titanium bike, um, as well. Um, but I, I don't, I don't exactly know. And so their Stella, which is their more, um, 29er, um, trail bike is also made out of steel. Um, and if they do end up going with a titanium version, it's going to be, it's going to have to be made in the uh, the tubes are going to have to be made in the United States because that's what they stand by. I would I would assume, you know.
1: Yeah, and you said this shift is due to a rebrand. They're they're
0: Yep. So they feeling
1: more focus on a, you know, adventure cycling, backcountry travel?
0: Yep, So they built their whole um I, I guess their whole like marketing plan behind um adventure bikes. They have um singles they sell all their bikes in single speed XT and then backcountry. And so the backcountry version actually um, is, comes with a co-branded, um, Wonderless frame bag. Wonderless um, frame bags are made in, out of Virginia. Um, and so small, medium, large, you'll get a smaller medium or a large frame bag along with, um, your, I think it's like an XT build or something like that, which is kind of cool. Um, and a bunch of other companies or not a bunch of other companies, but a few other companies are doing that. Um, uh Rocky Mountain with their um their Blizzard, their fat bike, Porcelain Rocket and Rocky Mountain work together on building those um or teaming up. Um and I think we're gonna see more of that down the road, but this is just a good example of, you know, an American built um bike and then it's coming with an uh an American built frame bag, which is
1: Yeah, that's pretty that's cool awesome. synergy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I, I definitely, I got on, um, both the Ursa 29er and the, uh, Stella and both bikes were really fun to ride. Playful, um, stable, um, but a lot of. And you're not a steel
1: guy. I, no, I, I, I'm not you, a steel guy at all. Yeah. I
0: like, that's opposite of me. <laughs> I don't like no. heavy, but, um, they were fun. They were fun and, um, yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens down the road. Uh, and I'm definitely excited to test out their fat bike. Uh, and hopefully it's titanium, but we'll see. <laughs> oh, can't wait. Yeah. Um, all right. What else? So a few other brands that we wanted to mention, um, with that were kind of entering the, uh, adventure cycling world, um, were let's see here. Maxis stands, Niner, um, so Maxes came out with their Chronicle 29 Plus tire. And actually that that tire was on most of the 29ers that we um tested at the uh the outdoor demo. What'd um, you think? What's that? What did you think? I liked it. It it was like a crossbreed between the icon and it was it was kind of like the um the ardent race. It was like right. a cross between the icon and the ardent. Um, and it really, it was, it was a great tire. Um, it hooked up really well. Um, yeah, I mean, anything that Maxis makes is good in my book, to be honest. Absolutely. They, Absolutely. yeah, they have some really good stuff. Um, and then they also came out with the mammoth, um, tire. That's, that's their a, new fat bike tire. Uh, yeah. Right? And I, yeah. I got on that, I think once, um, uh, but I didn't really, I I couldn't really test it out all that well. Sure. Uh, I wasn't on it too long. It's going
1: to be good to have some options there with, with fat rubber.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, And so. Yeah, with, with Max. And
1: listen to us, we're like Maxis. Oh yeah, Maxis. Hey, you know, talk about a, a loyal brand following. Right. Um, (laughs) In, in terms of another smart move by a manufacturer, let's put out a, a fat bike tire. I'm sure, um, you know, that with a, in a, a dearth of available tires, um, for fat bikes.
0: I know. Yeah. They, it's, Smart. Yeah. And it's been interesting because it's been, it's, I, there's just so many companies that we saw at Interbike that were diving into that whole realm. It's just, yeah, this whole industry. Uh, is so it's, it's so, so bummed. So <laughs>
1: bummed. I couldn't be there. I'm so jealous. And and I can't believe I just, I just listened to you talk about all these bikes and these companies. You, you got on a, the magazine got on a lot of, stuff you were able to do a lot of product
0: yeah we were excited and we we only we only made it to the first two days of um the show and we could have stuck you know we could have stuck around but i we had to get there obviously um but yeah it was was a it was a good show and it was really interesting we talked to the the blackburn guys and they were like what bike packers magazine that's the coolest magazine name ever. <laughs> we're like, uh, yeah, thanks dude. He was Thank like, you, yeah. I want to talk to you guys in five years. He's like, interesting. Um, so yeah. Um, five years, years ago,
1: you would have been sneaking in the back door and people wouldn't have known, you
0: know, right. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's interesting, but we're having fun. So, um, and what else? Yeah. The Hugo stands, um, they made a 29 plus rim, um, so that's big news, obviously, uh, they made a 29 plus rim before a fat bike rim, which mm. is kind of interesting. I thought, um, but for tubeless t- applications, yes, for tubeless applications. Um, so I would assume their their fat bike rim is, um, down the line, um, coming out soon. If, if I missed the news already, maybe it already, uh, is in production, um, is the cool-
1: there, Neil, I know you have a little bit more technical scientific mind than I do. I'm more of a humanities person, but is there a reason why you couldn't just scale up a stand's rim? You know, you mentioned they don't have the fat bike rim. Uh, I, I, I think the technology would be the same. It would just be the width of, of the actual rim that changes. So if you, if you've perfected the tubeless, um, like I run Stan's rims, and I think they're fantastic on my 29er. Um, and I know there are tubeless fat bike tires out there, uh, but not with Stan's rims. So I don't know, or maybe I'm missing something there that 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 my non-scientific engineering brain is is lacking in, in comprehension
0: yeah. there. But I'm not, you know, I'm not exactly sure. I know one thing: um, Stan's wanted to keep their um, rim tape the same width their, okay. um, tubeless rim strips or tape. Um, and so they did actually in that. So it's a, I forget the width of the, the, um, the actual rim, but they have the exact same rim tape that yellow rim rim tape that mm-hmm. goes in the middle. So it's actually what, what it is, is the rim is that middle tape is kind of like its own part of the, the, the rim um and then there's like two um branches i don't know exactly how to explain it i'm not a sure, very good sure. dis- descriptive um but sure. two like branches that branch branches up like a regular rim and then it extends out from that um so maybe is there a, a special tire or is it compatible with all tubeless tires or yeah i mean I, you could throw any 29er tire 29 plus tire on there um but I, I think it's interesting that they kept that, that middle strip. Right. Um, and I think maybe that was their thought behind starting with the 29er plus. Maybe, um, once they develop a fat bike rim, they'll have to extend their tape, but maybe they'll, I don't know. Maybe maybe the,
1: the tape machine is some three million dollar.
0: Right. Machine. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so, I, I mean, I don't know. I, this is a layman talking. I'm sure we uh, We'll put yeah. this show out there and Stans will call you and say, Hey, you've got it all wrong. Right. Guys. And that Ackerman guy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: No, it's just, it's just, um, it's interesting to think about because just like we were saying with the Maxis brand, I think Stans has quite the following. And oh, yeah. so, um, as they, like these other companies explore these, um, uh, you know, opportunities for growth, um, I, I think a lot of people that have, loyalty to their product uh you know and other venues of the sport are gonna are gonna just follow them
0: no i agree and and once they keep developing you know more and more like they'll they'll probably come out with a carbon 29 or plus um rim right now it's all aluminum but you know they just came out with their um valor their first carbon rim last year and it's just you know down the line it's just gonna evolve and evolve it'll evolve
1: yeah. yeah i agree
0: Um, and, uh, let's see here. It was interesting to, to note Niner, the, the Ross nine plus, um, their new 29er plus bike, they have, um, those Hugos stocked on that bike. Um, which I mean, I think you have the, you have the 29er plus, um, uh, stands, rims, the Hugo, and then you have, um, Surly's Rabbit Ears. Mm-hmm. And then you, I I know there's other companies out there but I think in terms of what Stan's did, um I think it was smart because they're a well-established brand like we said and they're putting their foot down in this specific niche which is really interesting. Um and then Niner picked it up and yeah. So yeah, it should be uh it should be interesting. It'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, feels like Christmas. I know. know, All this stuff. I want a bike. I want a new bike. (laughs) Oh boy. The gear room is only so big. I know. I need (laughs) to sell my bikes before I get a new one. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. So yeah, I mean, that was it. So, so
1: what else? What did, you know, what did I miss? Uh, I mean, riding bikes, any cool,
0: you know, after hours parties or any cool, you meet anybody cool or you do, you know, yeah, I mean, after hours for us was sitting on our beds in a, the hotel room and writing <laughs> and trying to pump out as much content as we could. Um,
1: I was glad you had a hotel room. Yeah, that. we had a hotel room. <laughs> the, uh,
0: what was it? The What's that weird – uh forget the name of it. Next to the New York, New York. Not MGM oh, Grand or the other one. I-
1: what happens there stays. The yeah, way.
0: exactly. <laughs> it wasn't too wild though for us, unfortunately. <laughs> Living it up. Yeah. Writing narratives in the yeah. hotel room. Good times. Uh, yeah, it was good though. Um, it was warm. It rained a little bit on the outdoor demo. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was good to see. It was just good to see all these different brands that you know are actually interested in the the whole um, adventure cycling off road deal and uh yeah I'm, I'm excited to head back next year i just wish it wasn't in vegas but yeah oh well
1: well i'm excited to, to hopefully spend some time there with you guys in the future and yep. i i think it's only i think we've only begun to see what is is really going to happen with the industry and with the sport in terms of these manufacturers and product and accessories
0: um it's an
1: exciting time
0: yeah it's a really sure. exciting time i like the accessories yeah. I think we'll I think we'll see more and more bag companies um actually at Interbike. Um there was only two, uh Epidura out of the UK and then Rele- Relevate. Um but I would assume we'll probably see more. And I know Wonderlust was there, but it didn't have a booth. Um so yeah. All right, let's move on. Um what do we got? We got um some so let's yeah, talk, talk about, about some winter, early winter, and some fall routes um, available um, right now. And I don't know. I'm sure you know everybody else has their their own neck of the woods bike packing um, routes. But in terms of some stuff out west here, um, I know we have the Arizona Trail. I think I checked the weather in Tucson yesterday and it was like eighty-five degrees. So that's oh, like man. perfect. Um and then it's getting a little chilly up in Utah, but um the White Rim, uh Coca Trail, um the state... So you just
1: you just hit the White Rim. Yeah, right? Neil, I, Not I too hit, long ago. Yeah,
0: I hit the White Rim. Uh and we should by this time um by the time this uh this piece is up um we should have a I should have a report published on the website. Um, and yeah, it was a good time. Um, it was, it we did a quick 24 hour, um, overnighter on, 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 fat bikes. Um, but it was like 75 degrees. Sun was out the night. Um, it didn't get, I don't think it got below like 45. Um, yeah. How'd your
1: water situation work out?
0: Yeah, my water situation didn't work out as well. Oh, <laughs> <I. laughs> hoped i um we brought nine liters all together um between me and my buddy and we ran out we we conserved because we knew we didn't carry it we weren't carrying enough but yeah. we ran out by the time um we were up on um the oh, what is it murphy the murphy's hogback no 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 um that, that's in the middle. The, the, the switchbacks out. What are, what are those called? Not the Mineral
1: bottom. Mineral bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: So we, we ran out like at the top of those. Um, and then we still have like a 20, 20 more miles back to the car. Um, because at we parked, we parked at the yeah. visitor yeah. center. So yeah, it's just, <laughs> at least we had water for the hard stuff. <laughs> but, there
1: is, uh, that classic, I think it's Jill Homer who writes about running out of water down there and having to drink out of the green river.
0: Oh, not it's good. Just, uh,
1: that would be, I think I could do it if I needed to, but it would not be easy. I'll tell yeah. you. Yeah. We it's, knew
0: we were, we are in good shape, but yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't want to deal with the silt of the green at all.
1: Well, what a great fall trip. That's uh I've only ever done that as a, as a white rim in a day. And, and I think we're going to check it out here in a couple of weeks. And it's, It's amazing. It's like, a, it's like a raft trip, almost that trip when you have the truck support and, uh, and really take the time. It's, uh, sounds like you carried all your stuff, but this is going to be the first time for me
0: doing it with, you know, the vehicle taking the water and the camps. And yeah, I think that's the beauty of this route. You can either do it in two days and do like the self-supported style, just carry a bunch of water, um, or you could do the whole supported with, you know, a car and still obviously, um, you know, do it in two, three, four days and, and bring along water and have a good time. Bring along the, the 30 rack of beer and, and, the cooler and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Love it. So, um, that, Perfect. no, that's a really cool route to do. And, um, we actually on the website, we, we now will, um, we're starting to do our routes, um, I guess we're starting to develop our roots page um, and the white rim uh, is our first route on the, um, on the page. So if you guys go to the website and search white rim trail, you'll kind of find a, a whole overview of the white rim and specific needs as a bike packer and doing an overnight and a self-supported bike packing trip. Um, so hopefully you guys can uh, find that as a useful resource. What a resource,
1: man. That's going to be great for people to check. You know, I know the Moab locals definitely don't want us talking about it. And I'm sure the the rest of us, that call Four Corners home and run to Moab all the time. But the reality is, is the White Rim, the opportunities to park your car in Moab and head out for a couple, three, four days. Uh, on different bike packing samplers, let's call them. Yeah. Um, it's, it's world class. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just think you talk about early winter, late fall. Once those kind of leaves fall here in Durango or, or, you know, I'm assuming back east, it just gets, it gets too cold. Yeah. So uh, to have that resource, I know it's not too far from where you are at and definitely not far from where we're at. And, uh, I think you could see a lot of resources on the, on the website regarding excursions coming out of that, that neck of the woods, that part of the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we're just, you know, creating this page. We're just hoping to help people actually just get out there. Um Because, you know, it's easy to just go on a day, you know, just a day bike packing trip and be, you know, content with that. But there's something a little bit more special, you know, sleeping in a sleeping bag with your bike next to you, as you know. Yeah. So um, uh, a few other routes. I know the Coca-Pelle Trail, that's kind of almost dunzo. I think they got a bunch of snow up high, but I'm actually heading out on uh, actually today. So tomorrow, um, which is uh, Tuesday, uh, heading out to do the Pelle, just from the Dewey mm-hmm. Bridge to – loma um so a little bit of the warmer section there oh wow yeah so that should be fun 75 mile overnighter it should be a good time heading out through yellow jacket yep we're gonna start through yellow jacket and and then head over to um the cisco area and then that's a great part of the route yeah what a
1: great part of the route
0: yeah hopefully the west water spigot's still on we i i have to actually call them today and See if they pick up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did this route like two years ago and I did the whole thing over um just about this time last or this time two years ago over Halloween and the spigot was on still so we could resupply water there and then we could resupply at the Fisher Valley. Um but yeah, I mean it's a it's a the Coca is a special place for me. I love it. I've done it twice now. This will amazing. be my third time, so yeah.
1: Oh fantastic. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. It's yeah. a, that is a great route. Another one to put on folks bucket lists if yep. they're not from the area. And you mentioned Arizona Trail. That's also absolutely fantastic place to be in the fall yeah. and in the early
0: winter. Yep. Absolutely. And I don't know. I know Southern California has a bunch of routes down there. Um, I know Carlos Rodriguez is doing a, um, uh another race down there the cross florida individual time trial uh,
1: southeast and, yeah um,
0: and he's been doing a good job down there with creating routes for people to uh, enjoy um and uh i mean down in florida you know it's pretty warm so you can you can do those routes almost all year round or all year round as long as it's not dumping rain on you guys but um, I know he's
1: invited both of us out there, Neil, to do it. I've got to tell you, I'm scared of the gators. Yeah, I'm go scared. Of, I'm a little
0: scared of that whole. <laughs> I was nervous to do the Arizona Trail with like tarantulas oh. and scorpions, and but I, I don't know. It, I never really see them, um, yeah, when I'm out there. So hopefully that would be the same with the gators, but.
1: Just something about not being the apex predator right. on your on your intended
0: path of travel. Yeah, something, that, uh... yeah, something large <laughs> scares me.
1: Yeah, you're already thinking about so much, right? So right. many logistics and time splits, and let's just throw gators into the mix. Keep right. it spicy.
0: Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. So let's just wrap this up. Um, uh, there was a few races, and I always like to go over past races um that went on uh just cuz you know we're getting I, to the end of
1: the season yeah that's and not well, much and left
0: a, a bunch of these races are just so unique um everybody's all these race directors are putting through putting a, a lot of effort into their own races um but more so they're making them their own and that's kind of um a really cool thing about that um so one of the one of the races that recently went down was a smoke and fire um, 400. And, uh, that's a race up in Idaho. Um, and it's more of like a tour divide oriented race, um, which, uh, is kind of cool for, you know, having in September, um, Mm -hmm. you know, people that have done the tour divide are rested and, you know, they can do the smoke and fire or prep for next year or something like that. Uh but Norb who puts on the race did a fantastic job. I think there was thirty people that started the race this year. Um for a first year event that's pretty good. That is um, amazing. Yeah. And um let's see, who won? Blake won and uh, this other guy Blake and Brian Powell um finished at the same time um under forty five hours. So that kind of goes to show four hundred miles, forty five hours. It's a fast course for sure. Um,
1: some gravel being grinded in that. Yeah,
0: a lot of gravel. There is some single track though. So, um, you gotta pick and choose your proper bike, um, which is always not easy. Um, so we have that on our website if you guys are interested in checking, um, checking out the smoke and fire 400 or 420, I think. Um, and then the Allegheny Mountain Loop, um, that's in the third year and it travels on the American Cycling Association's Allegheny Mountain, um, uh, trail. And that's again, mostly road dirt roads. I don't think there's actually any single track on that. Um, and then Jason, uh, Murrell who won the, or who holds the trans North Georgia record, um, won this race, uh, didn't break the record or anything, but he still won it. And, um, he's a strong rider. So, uh, big props to him. Um, and then the Coconino, which is a self-supported stage race, which is a really cool twist on, um, a bike packing race. So what they do is they start in Flagstaff and they have, it's a loop from Flagstaff to Flagstaff and they have, um, certain stage checkpoints where, um, the time stops if you're within that checkpoint. So all these racers, all these bike packers go to this one checkpoint. And I think the first one's just outside of Sedona and it actually overlooks Sedona. Um, and they stop, they stop there at night and, um, you know, hang out and talk. The time stops and the fastest person there obviously has the fastest time. And then they wake up in the morning and start, um, start at the same time and, and get after it, which, uh, it's kind of like a more, um, group oriented, um, bike packing race, but I think it's super unique. And this was a, a brainchild of Scott Morris who lives in, uh, Tucson. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a cool Man, race. I
1: just, I missed out on that one this year. I had it on the radar. Yeah. You, you have
0: any desires to, to they, do the Coconino? Yeah, I definitely have a desire. I'd actually like to do it all in one fell swoop first. Um, and I think there is a category
1: for those that want to do the race as a through ride. Yep, so there is, it's up to you to stage it or not. I, th- I think the camaraderie, And, uh, you know, it's pretty unique to have an event where the the clock stops and you can just hang out with people because usually it's, you know, all all that anxiety before the Grand Depart and you're catching up with folks and then you don't see them for the whole race. Right. It
0: takes – I think it takes the edge off a little bit for, you know – and I think it would be a great beginning race for uh, somebody getting into bikepacking. I know the terrain is uh, a little difficult. There's some hike-a-bike The Mingus Mountain section of that course, just having
1: lived down in Prescott and and ridden around there, is it's difficult. I'm glad the the clock would stop. (laughs) Yeah,
0: up top there. (laughs) I'm sure – oh, man. Yeah, it's definitely on the list for sure. Gorgeous Um, country. That
1: whole Mogollon Rim edge of the Colorado Plateau right there, that's just – that whole race course is just amazing.
0: Right. Um, what else? And then, uh, out west even more, California. Oh yeah. Trans North California. So that's a new race as well. Um, and it became, I don't know, it was pretty popular. Uh, at least on social, there's a bunch of talk about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that went down. When was it early October? Um, and I know Blake Bacchus who won the, uh, um, the, smoke and fire actually took first in this race. And then he got disqualified because he actually went off route because, um, there was a gate close and something like that. So he was the first to actually finish. Um, but Kurt Sandeforth, who is back from his world expedition on fat bike, um, actually took the overall first place, um, just over two days, um, which, yeah, good for him. I mean, I, I know he grew up right outside of, uh, Reno there. So those were his back home, um,
1: home field advantage. Yeah. yeah not, nothing like going back to the states and just the <laughs> down.
0: Right. I know. Jeez,
1: Kurt. Yeah. Thanks, bud.
0: So yeah, I'm glad he's back. I, I, I heard he is just going to be back for a while and start at the other leg of his trip. Um, but I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I know that he, uh, he, is enjoying being home and whatnot. So, um, should be interesting to watch down the line. Um, yeah. And, and like we mentioned, the, uh, the, the next upcoming race before the winter is the, um, tr uh, the cross, um, Florida individual time trial. Um, and I don't know the date on that. Let me check real quick. Is
1: that, uh, one of Carlos's events? Yeah. Cause they just did a, Trans Florida, I thought.
0: He's been, he goes on so many trips. I I think he's just scouting stuff out. Um, CFITT is November 15th, 6 a.m. start. Um, I'm not sure. I know there's, I know he does some registration. Um, but let's see here. View attending list. Uh, We'll have
1: to get him on the show, Neil. Yeah. In the future. Just do a what's going on with the Southeastern United States. Cause oh, really. it's active down there, trans North
0: Georgia and
1: the Florida races
0: yeah. and in the Virginia mountain trail. I know it's not a race or anything like that, but that's a, another nice bike packing route. Um, uh, but it looks like there's like 50 people on the list here for this race, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so that should be fun to watch. And then, uh, yeah, the, uh, winter ultras start, um, in, I think December, um, So we'll talk more about that obviously in our fat bike episode next month. Um,
1: no rest for the weary with these races. Neil, I know you gave it a nod as we started to just do the recap of these, these recent events, but, uh, just want to second what you said, giving big shout out to all the race organizers and and the folks that put these events together. It is not an easy task. Mm -mm. And, uh, I, you know, it's talk about anonymous gift giving. Um, the, the work these guys put in guys and gals put in to make these events happen. So a bunch of us can go ride our bikes out in the woods for hours at a time. Um,
0: super appreciative. Yep. Super appreciative. Yep. Absolutely. Um, cool. Well, yeah. So like we said, next, next month, we're going to talk about that bikes and, um, we have some bikes that we would like to talk about specifically some races um and just you know the whole fat bike culture it's uh it's definitely out there and it's blowing up and um we'd like to uh I don't know just chat about it
1: i think November will be a good time snow will be falling people will be thinking about it people will be dusting off the the larger rings, rigs in the garage so no. uh and there's a lot to report i know you know between both you and I, we've got to demo a bunch, um, this fall already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's a bunch of events all over the West here. We got a fat bike summit coming up. So no shortage of stuff to talk about in November with fat bikes. And then sounds like, uh, December will be just as crazy with good yeah. stuff coming up then.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if you guys have any questions or comments, um, check out the show notes, um, or contact mountain, uh, mountain bike radio or bikepackersmagazine.com. Go to those websites. Um, we're always interested in, um, your comments and how we can better the show or, or stuff that you're offended by whatever. Um, but uh, (laughs) hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, um, thank you Michael for, uh, for joining. And, um, I, I think this is, this is, uh, a good start to a a great, uh, a great show.
1: Well, thank you, Neil, for having me. It's been a, it's been a blast. I look forward to hopefully doing more of this with you in the future and continuing to support the magazine and just, you know, sharing a passion for this sport. I know we all love, it's a a really cool, as I'm fond of saying, it's a really cool tribe to be a part of. And uh, as a individual that has no problem talking, yeah. uh, great to be yeah. able to talk about something we we collectively love so yeah. thanks for the opportunity and uh look forward to getting fat
0: next month awesome cool guys um well thank you michael and thank you listeners and um, happy trails and we'll talk to you next month thanks bye